In a culture of wild political correctness, Echo of Fidelity brings you godly content in a godless world. From thought-provoking interviews to inspirational stories of saints and heroes, our show is firmly rooted in Catholic tradition. This is Echo of Fidelity. What is moral courage, and why is it so important for every college student? Today we're going to talk to Norman Fulkerson. He's a fellow TFP member, award-winning author, and public speaker. With 35 years of experience fighting for moral values in the public square, Mr. Fulkerson is more than qualified to tell us why moral courage is so important. So what is moral courage, and how is it different from normal courage? Normal courage, when people speak about normal courage, they're talking about what uh, a man displays on a battlefield. So it's the willingness to risk their, their being injured or their life. That is what we normally think about when we think about courage. But moral courage is a bit different. The way I like to define moral courage is to do what is right because it's right, no matter the consequences. Actually, the founder of the association to which I belong, Professor Plinio Correa Giliveda, once said in a meeting, he spoke about uh, physical sufferings and moral sufferings. And he said, of the two type, moral suffering is much harder to endure than physical suffering. And he actually said, somebody could tell me, well, but I've suffered, I've had moral sufferings, I have had physical sufferings. And physical sufferings are much worse. And he said, I would respond to them that you have not had moral <laughs> sufferings. So I think that kind of shows the difference between uh, the superiority of moral courage to physical courage, because it takes more strength of soul to do something that is morally courageous. And that is due in large part because when we talk about moral courage, it means standing up for the truth, standing up for principle. And that is especially hard in days like the days we live in, where the truth is distorted. Uh, we see error all around us. So to stand up for the truth means that you're going to go against what the dominant, dominant public opinion says is true. And therefore, you run the risk of being ostracized. And because we're social beings, it takes much more strength of soul to do that. So that I don't know if that uh, answers your question, Matthew. Oh, really well. Yes, thank you. And you went to college, right? Yes, I did. Well, I went to a trade school. I went two years to two years of trade school. A lot of college students feel like they need to fit in with their peers. If you were in college, how would you respond to that negative peer pressure? Because it's out there. Yeah, it's a very good question. And I I pity the young people that are going to the university today because you're facing situations, ideas, craziness that I didn't face when I was in school back 30 plus years ago. But how would I respond to the peer pressure? I think I would do today what I more or less did back in, in those days without realizing, giving it a name. I would engage in counter-revolutionary psychological warfare. So what do I mean by that? When I mention counter-revolution, 
I'm referring to the term as it's used in our bedside book, the bedside book of the TFP, Revolution and Counter-Revolution, written by our founder, Professor Plinio Correa Giliveda. And in the book, he describes something called revolutionary uh, psychological warfare, which is a warfare especially used by the communist to, um, to put to sleep those who were uh, neutrals, those who had not taken side with them, but also to isolate, defame, discourage those who oppose them. So we suffer that today, revolutionary psychological warfare. And on campuses, I'm sure it's the same as when I was going to school, you suffer that. So if you stand up for principles, like we were talking about earlier, if you stand up for the truth in today's world, you are labeled as being crazy, being out of times, being out of touch with reality. So it is a kind of a, a form of revolutionary psychological warfare. So what I would do, and I did this when I was going to school, is that I perceived through the grace of God, by the blessings of Our Lady, what they were doing, that they would try to use situations to make me look foolish. And um, I would act like I didn't notice what they were doing, but I tried to adhere to principle. And when a person does that, when a person realizes that they're under um, the influence of revolutionary psychological warfare, when they realize someone is doing psychological warfare against them, the best way to react is to act like you don't notice, but also to affirm um, principles, affirm the truth, even though you know that it's going to basically blow back on you. You're going to get, you're going to get negative repercussion. And that's important because when a person does that, they shatter myths that the revolution spreads that everyone is going along with them and they're pure and simply not going along with them. Not everyone. And people, when they notice someone who stands up for principle in the face of great opposition, that's what they notice is that, wait a minute, I think like he does. And people like that. That is moral courage. And when you show moral courage, you will draw other people to you. This question is so relevant because TFP Student Action uh, did a campaign at Georgetown University against abortion. Uh, We were protesting abortion there. And it's supposed to be a Catholic university, uh, but there were many students who disagreed with us. But there were also many students who did agree with us. They were pro-life. And they came up and they said, would you please blur our faces? Don't include us in the video because that's how much negative peer pressure they had. It was unbelievable. That's interesting. So you, so exactly, you experience what I'm talking about is that you stood up for principle and then what happens is you attracted other people Mm -hmm. and what did they see? They, they, they saw moral courage. I, I get repercussions all the time in my work here in Florida from people saying, oh, I saw the videos and they say, I can't believe how courageous they are to be out there. So you're not out there, you know, charging up a mountain against uh, overwhelming odds and facing an enemy that uh, is shooting at you, etc. You're just walking onto a campus and affirming truth, but it's morally courageous. Well, what would moral courage look like, for example, in a leftist classroom today? Yeah. Well, I um, that's a good question, and I th- um, actually one of the ways I think it would manifest itself. Actually, I wrote an article about it called. Um, 
I think it was called Virgin is Not a Dirty Word. Oh, but yeah. it was an article about the purity movement mm-hmm. on on campuses and colleges, even um, prestigious colleges like Princeton, where you would have these young people taking a pledge to remain virgin until until they got married. Whoa. And there was one case that actually answers your question, how how would it look on a modern day uh, campus? There was a, a young lady who got up after taking the purity pledge to she vowed to remain pure, a virgin until she got married. And she got up and proudly, even if inaccurately, she proclaimed, I am a virgin. I'm the only virgin in the, in the school. And she probably said that because she believed the myth that everyone was going along with uh, sexual immorality. And, but she was surprised because another person stood up and said, no, I'm a virgin also. Oh, and wow. said, oh, I'm a virgin also. And it was actually very beautiful. So, and that's where it gets to back to the earlier question about the importance of standing up because when you when you go against revolutionary psychological warfare and you do a counter-revolutionary offensive and affirm things like this young lady did, I'm a virgin in, in a modern day classroom. This article was written maybe five five or six years ago. Uh, it even applies even more so today. When you do things like that, then you have other people that will say, yeah, I'm, I, I believe the same thing. So that's what I think uh, moral courage uh, looks like in a modern day classroom. And, and we have many examples of young men that we know on university campuses, I'm sure young men you're in touch with, that they show the same type of moral courage. One of my favorite ones is a young man at a college in Texas who wears a suit and tie, a jacket and tie to, to class. It's I think he wears of. it every day. It's unheard of. And the, all of the people listening, that's something that you can do. Yeah. It's something that you may think is small, but especially on a hot day to dress in suit and tie, <clears throat> excuse me, to show, you know, the dignity of a, of a Catholic gentleman. And you will, you will get a lot of people come up and say, what, aren't you hot? But you will also get a lot of people, we experience this, Matthew, I'm sure you've experienced this, people saying, wow, you know, that's great. You know, it's nice to see someone in a suit and tie. Right. So pleasing. And again, that's where you get the counter-revolutionary psychological warfare. So you just go out kind of like, wow, I'm just, just wearing a suit and tie. What's the big deal? Right. As if you're not doing anything big, but you know in your mind that you, you're you're ups- you're upsetting the apple cart. Yeah, it's funny because it's a complete contradiction because in fashion today, everything goes. You can have whatever tattoo you want, you could have whatever hairdo you want, but wearing a suit, that's taboo. For some exactly. reason. Yeah. Exactly. So what so why is that? And also it's interesting when you do this over 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 years, I mean after I've been I've been with the TFP for over 35 years, you you start to realize what you're doing and you, it, it kind of gives you enthusiasm because you're bucking the system. Right. And you're not just bucking the system for the sake of being contrarian because we should never be like that. Just showing ourselves very contrarian, very negative, but just very positive and just very natural. Do it very naturally. Right. So when you think about moral courage, who in particular comes to mind? Professor Plinio Correa Giuliveda. I can see now, that. 
you can see that. Yeah. And the reason he's the first one that comes to mind is because he's not only the founder of the first association, Tradition, Family, and Property in Brazil, and the inspirer of the 25 sister associations around the world, but he... He was a man that I think exemplified moral courage more than anyone. And I say this because of a book that he wrote in 1943 called In Defense of Catholic Action. And it's interesting because, to put it in context, Professor Plinian was born in 1908. So by the time 1943 rose around, he had accumulated all the means, he had acquired all the means to do a Catholic lay apostolate. He was the most sought-after speaker in Brazil. He was a prolific writer, orator. He once spoke to a crowd of over 500,000 people at a Eucharistic Congress in Brazil. So he had all the means to do apostolate. And at that time, he was also president of the Archdiocesan Council of Catholic Action in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Catholic Action was an interesting organization founded by um, Pope Pius XI, and uh, I forget many, many years before. And it was actually an interesting organization trying to get lay people to do apostolate, which lay people should do apostolate. Well, he was the president of the, of the Archdiocesan Council there in Sao Paulo, and he realized that there were very bad errors infiltrating into the movement. And he said two things. If, if those errors were not um, crushed and refuted, he said they would end up spreading throughout the movement and they would end up destroying the movement, number one. And number two, he said, if uh, it, these errors, it would not just affect Brazil, but affect the whole world and it would become the heresy of the century. Now, this is 1943 he said this. But before, so he said it had to be denounced and somebody had to do it. So he felt it his obligation to write a book denouncing these errors, but he knew that in doing so, it was a kind of a kamikaze action that he would go down with the plane. And sure enough, he published the book. He was faithful. He showed great moral courage and was willing to sacrifice his career, everything for love of Holy Mother Church and Christian civilization. And so he wrote the book. He lost his position with Legionario, which was a periodical he wrote for. He was not invited to give talks anymore. All of his friends abandoned him, and he was left with only five friends. Wow. So that's moral courage because it takes not physical courage to face a physical enemy, but it takes the spiritual fortitude to stand up for your principles even when Everything that you had, everything you aspire to, which is objectively very good to do apostolate, to to defend Holy Mother Church. And by the way, just I want to point this out. At that time, Professor Plinio had the the means to actually become president of Brazil. There were people that said if he had pursued the path, a more liberal path or a centrist path, he could have become president of Brazil. So he threw all of that out the window for love, for the love of, for love of the truth, but specifically love of Holy Mother Church and the movement Catholic Action, which was a tool uh, for him to defend the church. Wow. I was going to say that. I, I heard that he had a lot of opportunities to be a career politician, and he just 
threw it all away for love of the church, right? He did, yes. He was the, at that time also, he was the, had already been the youngest congressman in Brazilian history. I think he was 23 or 24 years old when he was elected to Congress. So yeah, he had a, he had a path laid out for him. The, the sky was the limit, so to speak. But he showed great, when he, so when he published that, he, he essentially sacrificed everything. And, and you know what comes to my mind also when I think about moral courage? First of all, it is Professor Plenio. And then secondly, when we were in George Washington University, uh, again, it was a pro-life campaign. There was this enormous mob of liberal college students yelling and protesting us, pushing us a little bit, spraying us with soda. And in the midst of all that, we had a lot of very friendly students that came out with their rosaries and they said, I don't care. I don't care if I'm blackballed for this. I'm going to stand with you guys. They don't care. I really admired that Beautiful. at the time. It takes Beautiful. a lot of courage, you know? Yeah. Um, so what can you say to inspire those types of high school and college students to be bold in their moral convictions? Well, to inspire them, um, I, I, would, I would basically repeat what our Lord Jesus Christ said. Mm-hmm. If you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. Because when we talk about moral courage, again, we're talking about standing up for what is right because it's right, no matter the consequences. So when you talk about standing up for what is right, standing up for the truth, you're standing up for Jesus Christ. And some people, I think they kind of lull themselves to sleep thinking that, well, you know, I don't really have to take this position. I don't, I don't really understand these things. They're, they're above me. And da, da, da. That doesn't cut it. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when you're required to stand up for the truth, it's really an obligation you have. But because man has free will, he can, he can opt out and say, I don't, I don't want to because it's more convenient to take a, a more comfortable position, a more centrist position. But our Lord said, if you deny me before man, I would deny you before my father. So standing up for principles is essentially defending God in our modern world. And like we said before, Mr. Matthew, it's very attractive when you see someone who really sticks by his principles, no matter what the rest of the world is doing. And that individual becomes a magnet for other people. Yeah. When I see all the faces of the college students that supported us, I can still remember most of them. I still remember their faces because it's inspiring, you know. It's it's inspiring. So the first reason, the primary reason that we should uh, stand up, uh, hold true to our moral convictions is because that's what God requires of us. But as a byproduct, and as a pretty good byproduct, you will inspire others. You will help others. I don't know which saint said this, but they said, no one goes to, to, to heaven alone and no one goes to hell alone. So if, if a person saves their soul, they save it because they stand up for principles. They do the morally correct thing when, when asked to do so. And by their example, they, they drag others with them. But it's the same thing with a person that goes to hell by your, by your bad example. That's why St. Augustine said, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. So those people who stand up for principle, they will attract others to them. I can't finish this interview without talking about your excellent book, An American Night. And 
Um, how did Colonel Ripley show this moral courage? Yeah, Colonel Ripley, his story is great because what you have in the story of Colonel Ripley is a man who showed unbelievable physical courage when he destroyed the Donghua Bridge during the 1972 Easter Offensive, which required him to hand walk into the belly of the bridge, carrying each time two 20-pound satchels of plastic explosive. The enemies on the other side, they were shooting at him. There was a tank that was disabled that was firing 100-millimeter rounds. And going back and forth, and his strength was fading, so he started to pray, Jesus, Mary, get me there. So it's interesting. He went out back and forth 12 or 13 times, and each time out was a conscious decision to to die if necessary, but he was going to accomplish this mission. So it was like really 13 little miniature Medal of Honor acts of courage. (laughs) But the thing is, is that in the book, in American Night, you'll see that for me, the high point in Colonel Ripley's life was not that outstanding episode in Vietnam, but it was what he did when his career was winding down in the mid-90s when he testified against some very hot-button issues that were affecting the the armed forces, specifically the Marine Corps. He was a Marine. He loved the Marines, and he thought this was be would be detrimental to the good order in the Marine Corps. And it was the issue of homosexuals and allowing open homosexuals to serve in the military and sending our women into combat. So when I think about moral courage, as you, Mr. Matthew, I I totally agree. Professor Plinio is the one that I said first comes to mind, but something that's more closer to us for Americans. I mean, this was an American Marine, a, a legendary Marine. There are Marines that say he was a he was a legend on par with Dan Daly, Chesty Puller. You know, Chesty Puller earned five Navy crosses in a couple different wars. So he's a legend, but but really what is inspiring about him for us is that he is also a tremendous example of moral courage because like Professor Plinio, uh, who sacrificed his career for standing up because he stood up for the truth, Colonel Ripley did a similar thing. Uh, his career was already reaching the the end. He was about ready to retire. Actually, one of the testimonies he gave, he was already retired. I think it was the one on homosexuals in the military. But he, he had something else to think about, which was his legacy. Mm-hmm. So how will he be remembered? Mm-hmm. And we know, everyone listening to this podcast knows that when you don't toe the party line, I don't care who you are, you could be a legendary Marine like Colonel Ripley, uh, history, history, what people say about you will not reflect that side. They will discredit you, label you a homophobe or a misogynist, which Colonel Ripley was not. So he showed great moral courage because he did have his his legacy to think about. So for Americans, especially young men facing the errors that they face on the campus today, the enemies they face on the campus, they can think about Colonel Ripley. And actually, you can make his prayer your own, which I've done many times. Jesus, Mary, get me there. Jesus, Mary, get me there. And may Jesus and Mary get you there. So I'll be putting a link to your book, American Night, uh, in the description below. And I can't thank you enough for doing this interview. No, my pleasure. It was really good to be with you. Fight the good fight. What do you always say? Press the attack. 
right? Press the attack. That's what Colonel Ripley liked to say. He would always sign his book, Press the Attack. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you have any comments, please share your thoughts in the comment section below. We'd like to hear from you. Until next time, God bless you and keep fighting the good fight.